raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Week two of uh, Colts OTAs here. They'll have um, another round of OTAs coming up next week, a three-day mini camp the week after that, and that will close up shop for the spring off-season program. Then they'll get uh, back together at Grand Park coming up in late July for the start here of this 2023 season. We really didn't contribute a lot of time to it on Friday's show, Jake, and you know certainly it was Carb Day-focused. But was out there last week for their first OTA session open to the media. Basically, we get to watch one day a week. This week, it's coming up on Friday. Uh, Last week, it was on Thursday. And, you know, when Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew split up reps last Thursday, I did find it noticeable that there were certainly specific plays that Minshew ran versus Richardson running. It, It was not like hey, here's the same four plays, and let's see how each of you run the same four right. plays. So will they have – would their offense greatly differ in terms of schematically based on who's under center? Without question. Yeah. Yeah, w- 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 without question. And it got me thinking, Jake, when is the last time the Indianapolis Colts walked into a football game with a quarterback capable of design runs that strikes fear in an opposing defense? The challenge becomes, of course, Kevin, that you have to, and obviously this won't be the case ultimately once they hand the keys over entirely. But when you, whenever there's always a danger, and you know what's the old saying: if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. You know, when you look at Clemson's a good example. I, I mean, I'll use that as an example. When Trevor Lawrence was a freshman and Kelly Bryant was still there it was like when Bryant was under center you knew they were going to like run the football with the quarterback and run a draw and then Lawrence came in and it's like oh they're going to throw now uh, you know it was it, so it was pretty obvious to game plan for him so you, you run that risk when you do the two totally different scheme looks because all of a sudden the guy comes in for one or two plays you got a pretty good idea what's coming but obviously in the Colts case one is just keeping the seat warm until ultimately and I, I personally think Kevin that I think Richardson's going to be the full-time starter earlier than as opposed to yeah, later. I, I think he's going to be the day one starter. I'll, I'll, I'll continue to stand by that. Um, but it, it just got me thinking, like, in the history of this franchise, there just have not been quarterbacks that even kind of sniff that leg element. I'm sure Andrew Luck could obviously make plays with his legs, but it was not in necessarily the designed fashion. And while there are obviously questions with Richardson, and we have hit on those, and we will continue to do that, I really think whenever you hand him the keys, that immediately gives the Colts a dominant, dominant trait from a run quarterback threat standpoint. And when you talk specifically, you know, short yardage or red zone areas, the Colts have really been a poor red zone team over the last three years. And I think a big part of it is because they've had a quarterback that's just so stationary. And I think back certainly to what Jalen Hurts did to this football team last year in winning the game and the Rick Venturi clip, uh, it speaks for itself. When you have that sort of element that freezes defenders, creates an extra thought in their heads of like, oh man, is he going to run? Should I abandon this zone right now? Is man coverage what you want to play? Because if you turn your back on this quarterback, you turn your head on him, boom, he's going to take off. That is an area to Richardson's game where... I probably have been at fault of this, Jake. I feel like there's been a misconception with Richardson that we just label him boom or bust. Like, okay, uh, it's a massive swing, and you could swing big time. But the fact that he is such a dynamic runner, doesn't that really increase his floor? Because you know that's going to be there. I just hope they're not too reliant on on either side of it. Does that make sense? Like, You're going to have to find a balance, but... I think we see in today's NFL, no matter where you look, some sort of ability to make plays with your legs has got to be there. And he obviously is going to give you more of that. And I think, to your point, Jake, if you want to go down the injury-prone path, he's built a little differently than Lamar Jackson. So I think that's what kind of gives people hope of, I mean, this guy is 6'4 and 235 pounds, and 
if you can do it in a you know somewhat designed fashion, don't take the unnecessary hits. Again, from a poise standpoint in the pocket, it seemed like he did a nice job of that at Florida. Then your hope is there. But I, I just think, without question, from day one, whenever you give him those keys, you should be a much better red zone team. And just from a dynamic standpoint, for the first time in several years, I think there is an ability for the quarterback to strike fear. Not necessarily with his arm right now. That has to grow. But with his legs, Colts haven't had that. Now, I'm playing devil's advocate. But let me ask you a question that you've seen it, so I want your your best answer here, okay? When you say you're playing devil's advocate, it makes me think of like when Rosie plays hide-and-seek and she starts screaming when she's hiding. I'm kind of like, that. doesn't that defeat the purpose a little bit? <laughs> my, like, my kids do that too. You didn't find me. Well, you're behind the couch. You've been talking the whole time. Yeah, you just kind of showed us all your cards there. Now, now when the kids play hide-and-seek, do you know where they are and you just act like you don't? There's been a couple times where I'm like, I literally don't know where she is. (laughs) Oh, there was one time where I was in the bathroom looking for them, and my we have a vent right there, and my daughter goes, "I'm in here," and I'm like, I heard her voice from the vent. I'm like, "Are you in the floor? Where are you? Are you in the crawl space?" Uh, She was in the bedroom and she was talking into the vent. It was echoing. (laughs) That scared the hell out of me. That's that's a bright child. Now, if Anthony Richardson is a player that is ready to take the NFL by storm and has the highest ceiling of any quarterback in the draft and is going to be this blow-you-away, holy cow, how-did-nobody-else-see-it player, then why was he not able to start more than one game in his first two years in college? What happened over a 12-game stretch where he suddenly went from standing on the sidelines watching to the best young prospect in the game of football. Yeah, I think a lot of NFL teams view it and say we will well first off it's just I think general maturity. I mean the kid couldn't drink legally until a couple weeks ago. So I think they look at that and say, you know, he's just generally going to mature more. And then secondly, they say we will support him and we will play more to his strengths than the college program did. So I I think it's a combination of those two things. It's that we feel like we're going to create a better environment for him. And we feel like he will continue to grow based off how he's wired, based off how he's got, by all accounts, a very good work ethic, but at the same time, he brings the confidence that's necessary to play Okay, that position. I do think, to your point, Jake, there is a debate, and I want to ask Stephen Holder when he joins us next. What are you more confident in around Richardson? Are you more confident in the coaching or the support? And by the support, I mean the personnel. Do you believe right. more in the coaching of him, or do you believe more in the the Colts will build the adequate enough personnel to support him? Good question, because I don't know that he has all of the weapons he would want. But but then here's another thing. Who are the two quarterbacks that you most often hear Anthony Richardson compared to in terms of his floor and his ceiling? Well, I think in some way, shape, or form, the Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts names are the two most common, and I know both of those guys are very good quarterbacks. So, I, and then who's the one that people are like? I, but he could be I, I, the one that I hear all the time is Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, but again, I mean, Russell can't move. Richardson can move. No, I understand, but he's big. You know, he, he had a you know he had a cannon of an arm. He's big. You know, he he didn't have a lot of starts, but look what he did. You know, etc. Right? I hear I hear Lamar Jackson a lot and then Jalen Hurts. And I don't mean this as a as a race thing as much as do we just naturally have a tendency to compare players to those in which not only their game kind of represents or their body type, but who they look like. Oh, without question. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? If yeah. he was white... Yeah, I mean, be... Grady Dick will be compared to Gordon Hayward coming up in the... In, in the NBA. Correct. That's exactly right. Like, if yeah. Anthony Richardson were a Caucasian, would we be comparing him specifically to Josh Allen as the ceiling and Ryan Leaf as the floor? Well, that's why I honestly think the Richardson-Allen comparison is the best one. It, I, would, I agree with that for this reason. They both when, had issues in college. Correct. Completion percentage Accuracy. And Al, I go back to, because I know that this makes me like the weirdest human being on the planet, but I do watch Wyoming football. And Josh Allen, in his last year, and people complained about his his completion percentage, but like two of his best three receivers had left the year before, and he was fine as a junior. 
So it's like, well, who's he throwing to? Now, and then Reese Monaco, isn't that his name? Yeah. He's the, uh-huh. other, he's the other person of this program that watches Wyoming football. We should get him on the show. Like he'll be sitting at the Trace Jackson Davis draft table. Can we get him on to break down Trace Jackson Davis's draft I status? saw their big dude transferred to Gonzaga. Wasn't IU looking at him for one. a minute? <laughs> no question Let's, about it. But by, by the way, it was it Gonzaga where he ended up? Graham E.K., is yeah, that right? Another Graham. There you go. Um, he was in the mix for Indiana, supposedly. If we get Reese Monaco on, uh, let's try to book him for 7.30. <laughs> Wyoming Cowboys poke, poke. <laughs> so we can ask him about Trace Jackson Davis. and oh, then Just enough time for the pop. We'll all head over to Qdoba. <laughs> he was obsessed with him, wasn't he? He went on for he like 10 minutes. He would have thought he saw Shaq warming up there. I think that's the latest our show ever got off the air was right oh, that conversation. I'm like, Greenberg is already at 10.03. Someone <laughs> subbing for Greenberg has already talked till about 10.03 here. awesome. Um, again, last week at OTAs, pretty much split starting reps for Richardson and Minshew. I look at that and say, if that's May 25th and that's happening already, um, I continue to think, again, signs point towards uh, positive developments in the Anthony Richardson playing early. No Shaquille Leonard out on the practice field. We'll chat with Stephen Holder about that on the other side. And then I do think something Stephen had last week. He mentioned that Jonathan Taylor has changed agents. We will see. I think it's actually Leonard's agent. We will see how that impacts potential contract negotiations between the Colts and Taylor this offseason. Jake, you think more likely Taylor or Pittman gets an extension this offseason? Pittman. That's your opinion, or you're putting yourself in the Colts' shoes with that thought? Both. The Colts and I think a lot alike, Kevin. I don't know if you know that or not, but Chris Ballard and I, you ever had... Um, you, you ever? You had, and Ballard are close? You ever had edamame? Yeah. Okay, well, that's like Chris Ballard and I. Two peas, one pod. Mark, do you find that hard to believe? I do. I find that hard to believe. Chris Ballard and I have a lot in common. Little gray on the temples, square jaw. Fairly ripped. You were um, fairly ripped. But both college graduates. and um, he Didn't he bring up college degree during and, our interview and, with And him? debatable as to the um, acumen of our prospective careers. What's that? <laughs> he, he brought up the college degree, I believe, he when, did. when we had him on last. He we, did. We, we should have him on again. What's he... What will he say, though? Well, I was... That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that'll come up. What about wideouts? Can we ask him about wideouts? Definitely made me think. And I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of, of, of uh, wideouts. <laughs> the, the maniacal laughter. The laugh's is, outstanding. He should work out like a haunted house. It, for real. With that laugh. I mean, you even look. The good thing about that loaded one, like you built it up. It was pretty awesome. Stephen Holder at 8, Michael Grady at 940. Kevin and Quarry here on a very nice start to the... Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's Wednesday. Seems like it's been a while since our next guest has been on the program. And I'll bet actually he has thoroughly enjoyed the time away. 
Uh, 8 o'clock hour in Indianapolis on a good-looking start to a Wednesday. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. I've been trying to keep order over the course of the show this morning, yeah. uh, but these two, you know, kind of get off the rails. Mm-hmm. Lightning going to strike the studio, Mark? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's gorgeous outside. Uh, Stephen Holder joins us, and I'm sure is thrilled to be doing so from... Diehard Florida Panthers fan, Stephen Holder. That's right. Uh, from ESPN.com, you can read his work about the Colts. Uh, Stephen, first off, uh, Heat Panthers, which one would you... If you could pick one that you think the city of Miami would more celebrate, which is it? Oh, it's the Heat. Um, there's not even... Not even a question. First of all, the Panthers play like on the edge of the Everglades um, outside of Fort Lauderdale. So no one in Miami knows they exist. Has it's that, kind of a strange deal. Here's I just a dumb question. they played at the Heat Arena. Yeah, has that, have they always been in that arena, or did they uh, one time for play? A long, for a long time. So the Heat, when they moved into their new arena, uh, the Panthers built their own. Um, out in the Fort Lauderdale suburbs. And when I say suburbs, when you come across Alligator Alley, the first thing you see, and, and that's the that's the highway, the I-75 that goes through the Everglades, the first thing you see when you see civilization is the Panthers Arena. It's, really? it's hilarious. You see alligators and swamp, and then you see an arena. Hockey a hostile environment. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, so yeah, sharks on you know on the on the coast, and then you go a little further west, and you get alligators. Now, are there so, panthers you know, in Florida? There are. There, so check this out on US twenty seven, when you're driving through the middle of nowhere in in the middle of the state, uh, there are a couple spots where there's like a warning sign where you see like you know deer crossing that we might see in our neighborhoods up here. There's actually signs for Panther Crossing. I have never seen one. <laughs> I have never seen one. I am 46 years old. I have never seen a Panther in the wild, but they're out there somewhere. Now, are they are they like huge? I mean, I would think like if you hit one with your car, there'd be an issue, right? Like they're. I, I, I think I don't think they're as big as people think, but uh, but but yeah, they're out there and they're endangered, I guess. So uh, you're not going to see them quite often but they're out there somewhere the average panther is seven feet long and weighs between 60 to 250 pounds wow seven feet wow i would not have guessed that oh it's kind of over the ground i think but but long so you know it's kind of a weird construction going on there florida zoology and transportation talk here with stephen holder on the payless liquors hotline listen you you get it all here we do we do yeah (laughs) you know heavily debated state I, I, i i I'm not a journalist for no reason, okay? Listen, uh, we are our job is to be prepared to provide any form of information, Amen. and that's what I'm here for. Amen. Uh, some of your Colts information from last week was centered around, I believe, Jonathan Taylor changing agents. Uh, yeah. I threw this question to Jake just a few minutes ago, so I'll, I'll toss it your way, Stephen. Put yourself in the Colts' thought process. You think better chance they wait on the extension for Taylor or they wait on the extension for Michael Pittman? And would the franchise tag make sense on either of them? Hmm. Well, I think the franchise tag, it's cheaper for Jonathan Taylor. And I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but it's definitely cheaper. And we saw several running backs get it this past offseason. Right, exactly. And, and because the, there is a reluctance to commit to those guys, or at least commit at the, the level of of salary that someone like Jonathan Taylor is going to want. I think it, it's a great question, and I don't know the answer. You know, when you talk about Taylor versus Pittman, which one would they be inclined to wait on? I mean, I I tend to think, I'm not sure this is the way it's going to go, but I, I think you're going to get a bigger discount now with Pittman, and, and that may be more meaningful to them, and because that position is is in the grand scheme pretty important. But he's not as good as Taylor either, so I, I don't know. I, well, I, I don't know. That's a tough one. That's so, Stephen, allow me to ask this because I agree with you on those two things about which one's better at the position and which one plays the more coveted position. So, between Pittman and Taylor. Which one would have more aggressive suitors if they were to hit the market? Hmm. That's also a great question. I think I think that Taylor would be more enticing 
um, if he hits the market. Uh, the the problem is going to be just the the environment we're in right now. You know, I don't know that. I, I'm not saying he'd make more money though, but I I think he'd have he'd have a, there'd be a big appetite for him just because we've seen the kind of home run player he can be. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. Like DeAndre Hopkins is out there right now, and it's going to be interesting to see what he can garner. You know, now he's at a different stage of his career. Uh, he's probably at the end of his prime. Uh, you know, the time of year is bad and all that, but, but it is kind of interesting. It, I don't know. We'll have to see. These are great questions. I don't have great answers, but they're really thought provoking and I may steal them for a story. <laughs> Steven, really I feel like uh, answers on the answers on the Panthers and transportation no. of Florida is far enough. I feel What's like better, Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Taylor is to the NFL what professional hockey is to Miami. It right now might be the best available at what it offers, but hockey in Miami is not necessarily a fit in 2023. You know what I mean? Like it's not top of yeah, mind for people yeah. in Miami and running back. He might be the best running back in the league, but it's 2023 and it's not necessarily a fit with the NFL. If that makes sense. No, you're right. I, I mean, I think, I think you can look out there. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I mean, the, the, the teams, I mean, well, look at the Colts, right? I mean, they've had, they've had, uh, you know, one of the, the best, I think they've been, I should say one of the best, rushing teams over the last five years league-wide uh, not the best but but they definitely have been an elite rushing team over the course of the past five years over frank reich's tenure uh what do they have to show for it absolutely nothing and i think if you look at the teams that were the most elite passing teams there's no doubt uh or well i, I there could be some doubt but my guess again haven't looked at it and don't have it in front of me, but my guess is you're going to see a lot of successful teams among those ranks. And I think this speaks to where the game's going. I, and look, Shane Steichen has spoken to, to this as well, even though he has Jonathan Taylor. He has talked about wanting to have a really aggressive passing game. I don't know if he's going to do that with a rookie quarterback this year with the Colts, but but that is his in, that is his vision in the long term, and and I don't I'm not even saying they did that in Philly. I mean, they were pretty run heavy too. But but let me tell you, they when it was time to throw the ball down the field, they did that and did it very aggressively. So that's what matters. The only thing I would say, though, the, the one contradicting point I'll make, and someone else made this point recently, um, a commentator who I can't recall, but one thing is what matters is big plays. And Jonathan Taylor can do that. He can get you big plays. The, the big plays that he makes are almost as impactful as the big plays that a wide receiver makes. So that's where he kind of sets himself apart among his group yeah, and the, or his position. The thing, too, about Taylor, I mean, at Wisconsin, he never had a QB that was a dual-threat guy. So, like, how yeah. this looks I think will be really, really interesting. His, his yardage might go down a little bit, but yards per carry I think could be something – to keep an eye on a uh, Stephen Holder. Yeah, ESP- I think I, I will just say this. I think as a as a threat, he is a bigger threat than ever this year, just because right. you don't know where the ball is going, and you have to account for him and the quarterback as runners. I, I think that presents a huge challenge for the defense. Correct. Stephen Holder's with us here from ESPN.com. Um, Stephen, we'll see what happens post June 1st. You know, sometimes you get some veterans cut this time of year. There, we won't get into the details of why it makes sense financially, but you know, teams can kind of spread out the dead cap hit a little bit more. So you you occasionally will see some vets hit the open market here in the next week or so. But as of now, the Colts have been really content with what they've put around Richardson. Like nothing on the O line from a veteran standpoint. Nothing really at tight end. You know, wide out. I guess you're trading Paris Campbell for Isaiah McKenzie. And yeah, they did draft a wide out in round three. They drafted a tight end in round five. You know, Blake Freeland as an offensive tackle is round four. But they have been pretty like, hey, we think it was, at least with their actions, we think it was more coaching than necessarily the need to go get new personnel. You surprised by how just kind of matter of fact they've been with their offensive moves around the quarterback? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Even before the draft, I thought the free agency was kind of a dud for the Colts, not that they ever make a lot of waves. And I don't care how much money you spend necessarily because it's not about that for me. It's about 
uh, addressing needs. And they, they just were not aggressive in doing that at all before the draft and certainly not after the draft. Um, I mean, even in the draft itself, I think you could argue, right? I think Josh Downs, I think, is a, a really strong pick. I, I think that guy's going to play a lot, and they have plans for him. There's no doubt. Uh, but the offensive line move they made in the draft was, was that tackle. Uh, swing tackle is really important, but they also had another big, obvious issue on the offensive line that they have just kind of whistled past as if it's not there uh, at, at right guard. I, I don't know who the starting right guard is right now. And I'm not sure if they know. I think they're just going to roll the ball out there and see what happens. And I don't love that idea, frankly. I thought they would have made a move there after the draft. Uh, there were a couple of options. There may still be. But I'm a little surprised, a little bit. I, I think I also acknowledge that they are not a Super Bowl contender, and they know that. They can't say it, but they know it. So that, that's that's the backdrop, and that's the context. But I also think... This year is really all about finding out what you have in this quarterback and and e- equipping him and this team to to really determine what he is and what he can be. I think is really important. So I don't know if they've adequately done that. I think that question is still is still out there. The jury's still out on that. Now he, here's what's confusing to me. Panthers are actually simply leopards oh, that have <laughs> that are all black in color. So if they're all black in color and that's the only thing that distinguishes them from leopards, then why do we say zoology class? Why, why do we say black panther? That seems to me to be redundant, right? Uh, that's fair. Although they're not all they're not all um, black. There are golden panthers. In fact, I, I think. Quite a few of them in Florida are golden panthers. I mean, isn't the Florida mascot a golden panther? Isn't the Florida panther gold? I believe so. But FIU, FIU's mascot. Yes. You know, Florida International University, the Golden Panthers. So really, listen, so the, okay, so every day. The only thing that I by see. But by, by the way, this is not bad for a guy who had to drop mar- marine biology at the University of Miami. Well, now hold on, that's all they offer at the University of Miami. Well, I just took it just to get a science credit, and oh, you had to like study. It was hard. Oh, I'm sure. You know the the class at um, excuse me, the class at IU that everybody took that they thought would be like everybody's like, oh man, it's gonna be awesome. That was a really hard scientific class. Quite frankly, was human sexuality. Did you ever take that, Kevin? Uh, I did not. That no. was like an elective that everybody thought would be like so fun and whatever else. And I mean, it was you know, it's a right. biological class. And it's like whoa. Now I'm looking at it right here. Um, We're still on this. We are, yeah. Uh, at least talking I am. about going off the rails, right, guys? Uh, but go ahead. Uh, well, it's not off the rails. It's right off the Everglades, right off fifty-two. Um, <laughs> the melanistic jaguar or melanistic leopard is an animal of the leopard variation that is all black in pigmentation. Uh, that would mean that all panthers are black. So there is. I find this fascinating. A black panther is a melanistic color variant of the leopard and jaguar. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm just saying. We really got to get to the bottom of this. I no, I think it's awesome. I'm thoroughly confused. I will say, like a black panther to me is the most majestically gorgeous animal on the planet. So, like, I'm kind of rooting for the Florida Panthers. But now, if you tell me they're the Golden Panthers, I'm not as I'm not. I mean, I, I realize that like people are in their golden years. Is that what it is? Is it black panthers that are spending their golden years in Miami? <laughs> Is it, is it a retiree it's a community? It's a theory. <laughs> the villages for Panthers. <laughs> That's what it is. Stephen, can you tell that Jake's been up since 2 a.m.? Uh, Stephen, I was I, I watched the Ted Lasso finale last night at midnight. It, it, it dropped, as the kids say, at midnight. And it was over at 1.30. So I've had a little bit of sleep. A little bit, and only a little bit. Stephen, I, I was not surprised to see Shaquille Leonard observing last Thursday when we were out there. I... Mm-hmm. I Maybe this is more based off his comments earlier in the spring, but I kind of walked away from that thinking the first day we'll see him back on the practice field would be the first day of training camp. Is that where your thinking is at right now with him? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have a lot of optimism. or Let me rephrase that. I don't have a lot of expectation that we're going to see him do much of anything just because, frankly, the problem last year, or at least one of the problems, was he came back too early. Now, it's also true that if the surgery didn't have the intended effect last year, then, then he may never have been ready. But 
we do know that when he came back, he was not ready. We know that. So I think if you're the Colts, the, the biggest thing you got going for you is time. It's the best thing you've got going here. And whether whether that's enough, I don't know, right? We, we don't know whether he gets back to where he was. If he, you know, reclaims his status as as one of the elite linebackers in the NFL. The time will have to tell. But but they do have time on their side, and, and I do think it's likely we don't see him do much of anything until we get to training camp. I also think that's a little scary, you know, if you're the Colts, uh, because they have basically committed and, and operated as if he's going to be back and going to be an impactful player. They've done nothing at that position of consequence and even after losing a really good player in Bobby Okereke. So I'm interested to see how this goes as much as anybody. I think it, it has a huge impact on uh, the success of their defense this year. Steven, in your opinion, and maybe this varies on the player, but we're, we're perhaps about to find this out in Indianapolis, what do you think is an adequate – like – the Jets pulled the plug on Zach Wilson pretty darn fast. Like they, they could figure out right away, okay, this ain't it. And maybe some of that is you get to know the the temper of a guy in terms of their work ethic, their attitude, you know, et cetera. But what do you think is the an adequate window of time to find out the reality of a prospect at quarterback? If the Colts are going, does that make sense? What I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it, it's a great question, and it, I've actually thought about this, right? Because Zach Wilson is a great example where I do think you you hit on something there. It wasn't just about Zach Wilson, the player, even though Zach Wilson, the player, was a mess. There's no doubt about that. Uh, there there were some um, leadership questions, and you know his ability to to relate to the locker room. All those things were in question too, and that just makes the evaluation even harder. You're trying to think about him as a player, but then you've got all these other issues too that that impact you know his success in in other ways. Whether you can be successful, I should say. So anyway, I don't think that's going to be an issue with Richardson. He seems like he has the goods. From that perspective, from the from the leadership and the and the makeup perspective, I, I have no question about him from that perspective. And and this team is behind him already, and he hasn't taken a snap. So I don't worry about that. It's going to boil down to can he play. So I think it's it's more of a Justin Fields type situation, and that's a good example there because look, he's he's two years in, and I, I think they they think he's their guy. But do we have questions about Justin Fields? Yeah. I think we do. I think that's fair to say. Uh, and I think it's not a question of whether he can play. It's a question of like how good is he and can he really be. We don't. I don't think we really know that yet. Now you know, and a lot of that has to do with the supporting cast he's had as well. So that's a factor. So it's a complicated question. How much do you help the kid? Uh, how much do you put around him? Uh, how do those guys play? Um, are you helping him with the scheme? And are you playing to his strengths? All of those things. I just think, I think you know it when you see it. You know? And, and that's the thing. And, and maybe that's, that's why the Justin Fields conversation is a little more complicated. I, I think sometimes when a guy is good, you, you just know it when you see it. But, but then there are some more complicated ones. Like Josh Allen was more complicated. You know, after year two, were we sure Josh Allen was the guy? I, I think we thought he was a guy, but certainly not the guy he is now. And I don't know. You know, it just that's the thing. These quarterbacks develop at different paces. Uh, Anthony Richardson's really young. So how does that play into the picture? I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be very interesting. And, and that's what makes it so hard because you have to sometimes nowadays in particular, because of the pressures of, of the sport and the expectations, you have to make these the determinations so early and I don't think it helps these guys in the long run that we do that in football, but, but that's just kind of the way it is. And so the, the clock's ticking already for the Colts. It's already ticking. It's just how it is. Steven, last one from me. Um, bigger year for Bernard Ryman or Quiddy Pay? Hmm. I think, I think Bernard, Bernard Ryman, I think Quiddy Pay – this is a big year for Quiddy in terms of determining whether he can be a guy who is 
you know, upper level pass rusher. But I think he has determined already, or at least uh, proven, that he can be a serviceable player. Like he's at least that. We know that. Uh, the question is, you know, can he be? I don't know if elite's the right word, but we'll see, right? Can he be either elite or, or like Pro Bowl level player? Put it that way. Uh, for Ryman, though, I, I think the the question is bigger. I, I think he, I think he can be the guy, but he has not proven that. He has to prove it. it, it he has to show some consistency. The consistency was not there. If he plays with the level of consistency he showed last year, he's going to be in trouble. I'm not saying that because I don't think he showed a lot last year. I do, but the consistency was just not there. And that's a position where you've got to have it. You just have to. And so if he shows that this year, then I think the Colts can sleep okay. Uh, he doesn't have to He doesn't have to be an elite player this year, but he has to be a little more steady. And last year was not steady. And, and nor sh- should it have been, nor did I expect it to be. But you got to take that step this year. And, and too much is riding on it because I think, you know, when, when I say about when you ask is it a bigger year, I mean, his success is directly related to the quarterback's success. Sure. So I think that's the variable for me that really makes Ryman a, a critical spot to watch. Yeah, something so, to note on pay, uh, that fifth-year rookie option for him, that deadline is next offseason. So in a way, it's a yeah, little bit of a contract year for him. If there are the predominant number of the endangered panthers in florida are golden and like they're a beautiful golden hue panther right so you're right steven so if if the the panther that we see with the carolina mascot or like the north central high school mascot is is a black panther meaning that it's a panther that simply has all black tone to it then shouldn't carolina be the carolina black panthers you're saying they're totally different animals. Yes, yeah, correct. So, like, a, a panther is not – if it is all black in coat, then it is a black panther. So, like, the Carolina Panthers are kind of false advertising here because a panther actually is like a golden – like the Florida panther fella. And then the Carolina panther is – and North Central panther are the the black panthers. I, I don't know if – Golden panthers – I think the golden panthers should get a lawyer and, and really – do something about this. Right, or the, you know? the fellows from the Forrest Gump movie also might have something to say about it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> right. I, it is interesting. And someone's got to stick up for these Golden Panthers, you know? <laughs> Seriously. Someone, someone there's, has to intervene there's a here. trademark issue at play here. <laughs> Stephen, I apologize. Exactly. <laughs> no, Stephen, hey, loves, Stephen loves this kind of stuff. Uh, listen, I mean, I, I, I sit through two hours of this at Pacers game. Yeah, I so, trust me. It shocks okay. me and Jake's like, yeah, it's I went to the game with Steven last night. I'm like, Steven Holder went to the Pacers game with him? And then you went to a two-short uh-huh. concert afterwards, so you wanted even more time with him. <laughs> it was the best. I, I'm, I'm a you know, masochist that way. You know? Steven, so. by the way, congrats to your daughter. I saw a little Fall Creek Valley relay team. Yeah, yeah, uh, state champs, eighth That's... grade or middle school state champs. So uh, we'll see. Hey, listen, high school next year, so uh, game changer there. We'll see. <laughs> high school track state finals coming up this weekend. Steven, thank you, ma'am. Okay, guys. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
See you soon. Michael Grady going to join us here in a few to round things out. You know, a name that I feel like a couple Pacers fans have thrown out there, and I don't know, maybe it's more of just an NBA name, but I think the future of Carl Anthony Towns is an interesting one. I, I don't necessarily know the fit here in Indy with Miles Turner and, and all of that, but you know, the Timberwolves, when you look back at their season, some ups, some downs, a team that I don't know a lot of people wanted to play. Anthony Edwards is probably their future. The Rudy Gobert trade, like, yeah, well, I, I don't know. I'm kind of very much up in the air on the future of the T-Wolves. Well, the, you know, D'Angelo Russell played well for them. Um, and I do agree, Anthony Edwards is a dynamic talent. But I'm curious, you know. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. The first question I'll, I'll ask because we have him now on the Payless Sugars Hotline, Michael Grady, who's the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. The first question, Michael, that I would have for you is this. You know, here in, as you know, with the Colts, Jonathan Taylor's an unbelievable player. I don't think anybody denies or doubts that. The question is, does having an unbelievable running back equate to winning in the NFL in 2023? And I think the same question can be asked for, in the NBA in 2023, does having not one but two bigs that are kind of your your key play? I mean, a- Edwards is the face of that franchise moving forward, I think. But did the Timberwolves miss the mark a little bit on going too big and trying to go that route? That that remains to be seen. Carl uh, Anthony Towns missed 52 games uh, last season due to a calf injury. And um, by the time things didn't look great, before he was hurt, um, it takes a lot to get two guys like that on the same page. And even if you just bring in Gobert, he's so unique as a player in that he doesn't have a you know offensive skill set to where he can just pass the ball in the post. He uses a series of low post moves and gets a good look. He's unique in terms of how you need to set him up to make him effective on the offensive side of the ball. So for everybody else, that's an adjustment. And then playing with Towns and Towns playing a little bit more on the perimeter, playing off the go bare, you knew that would take some time. And then he goes down with a calf injury. He comes back with just a handful of games left. And so, no, the sample size and what we saw in that sample size didn't look great, but that remains to be seen. And I, I, I think that that same kind of discussion can go. I think it's, 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 from my opinion, it's too early to say on Jonathan Taylor. I think in the grand scheme of things, if you're talking about a guy that's Break in the bank, or we always talk about this in the draft. Do you use a high draft pick on a running back? I never think that's the case. Um, I think if you if you stock up and you take care of the offensive line, and you can find a serviceable running back, you can get the job done. What you need is an elite quarterback to win in the NFL, and you can go back to past Super Bowl champions to back up that statement. So, uh, on the basketball front with the Wolves, again, it remains to be seen. I don't know if this experiment is going to go into next season. We'll see what happens in terms of if the Timberwolves make any moves with one or both of the big men. Um, but, but it'll be something that'll be really fascinating to see. You certainly recognize the voice. Michael Grady with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. MG, always good to uh, chat with you. I, I would guess we'll kind of go down a different path. What's uh, what's new on your front? Obviously the T-Wolf stuff. I saw you are doing Sun uh, and Liberty over the weekend. What, what's on the agenda here as we get into the NBA offseason for you? Oh, man, just, just, uh, just, just R&R. Um, yeah, did the, uh, did the Liberty game for CBS. I'll do another one for CBS on, um, on Father's Day. I'll do the Commissioner's Cup. Uh, NBA draft is coming up from Brooklyn. Um, I'll do that. And then... Um, and then summer league, and then uh, outside of that, just just traveling and getting away. This is outside of the things that I choose to do. Um, this is the first summer where I'm kind of at at liberty. Um, so last last year, I not New York Liberty, but free. Um, so <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah. So uh, anything that I'm doing, I'm choosing to do um, for fun or working with friends or something along those lines. And. And uh, no New York Yankees obligations, no baseball obligations. So it was a long, uh, long uh, 82 game season plus the postseason. A lot of fun, um, a lot of highs, some lows. You know the, you know the storylines that go with covering an NBA team for a full season. It was great being able to be on the call for those games and looking forward to next season. But in the meantime, getting some much needed on our calves. 
You know, when you look at obviously the, the semifinals and, and what Miami in this market, we've seen a lot of them over the past you know decade or so. Certainly, it's a different looking Miami team this time around than what the Pacers were used to. You know, back in 2012, 2013. It, what can NBA teams, and particularly Indiana, what can they learn from watching how Miami has built this thing? Uh, it's, it's a it's a phrase that annoys a lot of people, but there's a lot of truth to it. And it's going to make folks cringe, but it is heat culture. It is a thing. It's not something that's fabricated. It was it was somewhat of a joke when they had LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. Oh yeah, heat culture. You have a, you know you have three superstars. Um, but I think time has shown that it is a legitimate, real thing. And in talking to Eric Spolstra um, during the season, it's it's it starts from the top. You know, Pat Riley and, and works its way down to assistant coaches that they have who have come up through the program, who understand what the franchise is all about and what it means to be a Miami Heat player. And a lot, and some of the guys that are on that staff were undrafted free agents who had to really fight, claw, prove their worth. Um, with the Miami Heat. And so if you're an undrafted free agent that gets brought in, like the guys who have been contributing on this roster, um, from Gabe to Caleb to Max and Duncan, um, you are getting instruction firsthand from someone who has been in your shoes and has been successful with that program. And so that makes a difference. And so, um, and then you bring in Jimmy and, and the line that I can't get out of my head for any team that's trying to build culture and things like that. Eric Spolster after game seven was asked about Jimmy Butler. And we know, you know, Jimmy is worn out his welcome in different places. You know, Philadelphia didn't work out. They decided to invest in Tobias Harris. Chicago, of course, early in his career with Minnesota, there was that famous practice where he's kind of going to call Anthony Towns and that didn't work out. And in Miami, they allowed Jimmy to be Jimmy. And Eric Spolster after Game 7 said, Jimmy's not for everybody, and we're not for everybody. Um, For those who remember Pat Riley's teams, they were always hard-nosed, tough, especially once he left L.A. in the showtime to go to New York and the Knicks. Hard-working teams. He busted them in practice. And that continued on when Eric Spolster took over. Hard practices, tough time out there, the way that he challenges his guys, and it's just a perfect marriage with Jimmy Butler. So you put those things together, the hardworking guys, guys who believe in themselves and have people around them that believes in him in them in terms of the undrafted free agents with a leader like Jimmy Butler. Um, even with all that said, there's no way in my mind I thought they would have reached the NBA Finals. Absolutely not, especially after losing to Atlanta in the play-in. Um uh, but that said, it's 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 a remarkable story, and and heat culture is real. Michael, to me, when I look at this matchup, and you have seen Denver more than I for the obvious reasons, right? I've watched some of I've watched a fair amount of Miami, but I I think Denver probably in terms of individual talent, maybe the more talented roster. But what Miami does that I think is really fascinating, and I think Spolster does a great job with it is Miami is able to, Butler's clearly their bulldog, but Miami's able to win or play in a couple of different styles. They can use their auxiliary pieces for a game. They can go through Bam out of Bayou for a game. They can ride Jimmy Butler for a game. I think they offer more ways to play. Does Denver have the versatility of look that Miami has? They have, they do have versatility, but in different ways. What, what you were describing is guys that they can lean on um, as far as Miami to get the job done. Jimmy could have a night. Bam could have a night. I'm not so sure that Bam is having as many nights these days as what he it was what he would during the regular season. Um, but he's certainly capable of it. Um, and then the undrafted guys, it's, it's still a question of is are we at the point now where what we're seeing from Caleb Martin can be expected once again in this next round, especially with a different uh, set of defenders that'll be challenging him uh, in in this series, in the altitude, et cetera, et cetera, over the course of this uh, seven-game series. With Miami, 
they don't have the scoring punches they would have had if they had Tyler Hero out there who may make an appearance in game three. Victor Oladipo, who was playing somewhat decent basketball before his his injury. They just they just don't have the offensive firepower to go off. They have to play chess out there on the court and get timely, good looking buckets and Spo is a great coach to set them up. So they have to play with one tempo to a certain degree, unless they're forcing turnovers and getting out and running. Denver can play a slowdown chess match. They can play extremely fast. And even if, and, and yeah, they have a two-man offensive juggernaut in terms of Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic. While Murray can have an off night with his scoring because of the type of tough shots he takes, it's very rare for Jokic to have, a, have an off night. And so how does Miami go about defending Jokic? Can Bam get the job done? Can Bam stay out of foul trouble? If Bam gets in foul trouble, who's going to be that guy? Is it going to be Cody Zeller that's going to step up and try to slow down Jokic? Uh, he's just proven himself unstoppable. A two-time MVP. Could have been a three-time MVP for sure. He has his sight set on NBA Finals MVP. It's not just that he can score on his own, but it's that he does a tremendous job of setting up his teammates for easy looks, given the attention that he's given by the by the defense. And so Aaron Gordon is going to have the Jimmy Butler assignment. That's going to be tough. Um, my guy, Bruce Brown, who I was with in um, Brooklyn, does a tremendous job of providing energy um, off the bench. They're just really focused. And the thing that's impressed me most um, as I wrap on Denver, uh, Jake, is how greedy they are. Um, you know, the Timberwolves had the Nuggets in round one, and the Nuggets won the first two games at home, go to Minnesota, crazy crowd. You're thinking, look, this is a Denver team that, that's maybe feeling good about themselves. Timberwolves can get game three. And Denver came in and punched them in the mouth. Uh, you go to the conference finals against the Lakers. They won the first two games. They head to L.A. You knew that crowd was going to be bananas. And they punched him in the mouth to take a 3-0 lead, which, again, crushes your soul. Uh, so they're, they're, they're greedy. They're focused. Uh, I'm really curious to see how the series goes. I think all the money is on Denver heading into game one, uh, given the fact that it's at altitude. Miami's coming off a seven-game series. Denver's been having some hard practices um, at home, comfortable with the altitude. Uh, but this is why I don't bet. <laughs> I, certainly, Michael, I, I think listen, <laughs> I think people would be fools and I, I think the world of Denver and I think Denver's fabulous but there's just something about the Miami Heat I'm not saying they're going to win the whole thing, man but I but I would Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler I think it is playing with fire to bet against those guys I, I'm, I'm totally I'm, I'm totally with you um, I do think that once Denver finds its footing, whether that's at some point in game one or at some point in game two, whenever it is, once Denver finds its footing, um, then I think it's, I, I do, I do personally believe it's lights out uh, for Miami. How long will that take? Um, if it takes a while, then Miami has a legitimate shot. It's such an impressive story for, for an eight seed, a team that was all, that was trailing in the fourth quarter against Chicago in that final playing game to be in this position. But it says something about their determination and grit and why you can't, I know those overused terms, but why you can't count them out. Um, in this series. Plus, it was just a few years ago in the bubble that they were, some of these guys were in the NBA Finals. And so I know it was in, you know, the bubble, but it's still at an NBA Finals level. Um, they played in high stakes games where for this iteration of the Denver Nuggets, this is the furthest uh, that they've gone. So you wonder if there's going to be nerves, just being in front of the home crowd for these first two games, completely take that away, and they continue to ride this wave that they've been on. They've been off for a long time, so I'm, I'm really, I really can't wait to watch game one. Again, the second biggest favorite in the last 16 years for the NBA Finals. The Nuggets coming up on Thursday night. Michael Grady, Warren Central's own, joins us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. MG, shifting over to the Pacers. I know you saw them you know, early in the season, and I think Minnesota won both matchups this year over Indiana. Uh, where do you kind of view them from a rebuild standpoint? It seems like the last 18 months have gone pretty darn well for them in, in that part of it, and now it's like, okay, are you still in that part of it? Do you speed it up a little bit? How should they kind of handle an offseason where they have a ton of draft picks and a ton of cap space? 
Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really um, going over everything with the fine tooth comb and, and seeing who's the best fit, what's the best fit for this roster, and really examining everything. And I know they have the pieces and people to go through and do that. Um, uh, I, we talked about this before, Kevin. The thing that really stood out to me about Indiana this season is. You know, rebuilding is not easy. You know, retooling, um, it's not easy. It's not fun from a fan base standpoint. Your hard-earned dollar and watching this team that you know is supposed to struggle. Um, but what helps out is, and what helped out this season, even though it was in our playoff year, the fun was back. The entertainment was back. Um, the energy was back. Um, there was so much excitement about um, uh, Benedict Matherin and what he was doing this season. Of course, Halliburton and um, I, I remember I was I was at a Tampa Bay New Orleans game um, uh, football game Monday night and on the ride home I was glued to the I was glued to my phone watching the Pacers and Golden State and Nimhard going off and giving Steph Curry the business I mean it was it was there were so many games that were just a um, a fun watch. And so now, to your point, you're, okay, the fun is there, the excitement is there, you hope that you stay healthy, you've got, you've got Miles in there now um, uh, locked in. What, what are the right pieces? Is it, is it more young players? Is it veterans? Who are the pieces and what are the right pieces to bring in to help take this team to that next step, to where we are talking about uh, the postseason, and maybe not even just the play-in, but the postseason at least, um, heading into next season. That's going to be really good to see. But it was just so fun to like to get back. And I was again, I was watching Chris and, and Quinn and watching these broadcasts a lot over the course of the season when I had time. Um, uh, not just because of the Indiana tie, but because they were they were a league pass must. Mm-hmm. Which is not something we've said in, in, in recent years about the Pacers. No. All right, MG, last one. Um, I thought of you on Saturday. I'm driving down to the parade with the family, and all of a sudden I tune on, tune into our, our station, and um, you, you were doing uh, one of the 500s in 60. And I'm curious now that you're out of the market, when, when people <laughs> when people come up to you and you're like, oh, man, you're from Indianapolis. All right, I've never been to the Indianapolis 500. Tell me about it. What's kind of your, I guess, like elevator pitch uh, to people when they ask you about the 500? Uh, I, you know, it's, um, I tell them carb day is a must. And then the race itself is a lot of people who ask me about it, Kevin, are not necessarily, you know, race fans. Sure. And so there's, and so the first thing that comes to mind to me is cause I'm not, I'm not going to be able to sell them on on cars most people know that i'm not you know knee deep in understanding these cars and things like that and racing strategy and all those types of things but what really captured my imagination was um the stories the people who have been going for 40 years 50 years 60 years um the pageantry and to me the build-up leading to the race itself. Um, and to me, you know, car day is the party, so that's easy to, you know, tell people, oh, it's great, da, 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 da. But then, but then Sunday, um, get there early and really get wrapped up in everything leading up to the start of the race. And when they come around and that race gets started and gets underway, everything up to that moment, uh, it's just, you get chills. And then from there, you're locked in, you're drinking, you're having a good time, and you're watching and seeing who comes out victorious. And congratulations to uh, uh, Joseph Newgarden on getting his first. But to me, it, it you know it, it took some it took some time. But my my last few years covering the 500 for you know for the radio station and for RTV6, um, I just I, I don't know, it just kind of clicked. I really understood it, and I, and I miss it. Um, and um, I hope to get back. I hope to get back, if not next year, very, 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 very soon. But I do miss it. I miss the pageantry. I miss everything, the history involved with it. And so that's what I that's what I tell people on. It's just it's just one of those things that you have to experience, and then once you experience it, you kind of understand it. Better hope your Timberwolves don't go far. <laughs> right? Exactly. You have the Shaq exactly. problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, there's, you know, it's in my blood. There is something about, you know, um, spring basketball, and everything leading up to the the race that's just it just kind of ingrained in us. And um, so yeah, so no, I miss it. I miss it a great deal, brother. Well, we certainly miss you. Hope you get back here in the off season. Enjoy the R and R, uh, and appreciate the time, MG.
I'll be back there too. Thanks a lot, brother. See you guys. It's Michael Grady right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Yeah, Pacers and Racers, Jake. This time next year, man, maybe not this deep into May, but early May, maybe late April. That'd be awesome. It was the best. Those days were the best. Outstanding on that end. Stephen Holder also joined us today, so that'll be up on the podcast. Again, the Zach Eady decision due by midnight tonight. We'll recap all of that tomorrow. Everybody have a great Wednesday. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.